So we're on a series, uh, which is very exciting, because this is one of the only times that the whole entire church does the same series. Normally, uh, as a student ministry over here, middle school and high school do the same thing. And then the big church over there with your parents does kind of a different series. This is one of those rare times when the entire church is doing the same series, and it's called 40 Days in the Word. Can anybody think uh, what that means? It's not rocket science. 40 Days in the Word. That means we're going to read the Word for what? 40 days. 40 days. Pretty good. Does anybody know why the number 40 is significant? Comes after 39. Yes. No. Okay, I can see that. 40's got a bunch of specific numbers. Or, yeah, what do you think? Because it comes, you know, you're brilliant. Good kudos to you, sir. Kudos to you. Yes. Is it? I think it's 14, actually. Is it 40? Is it? Is it 40? Is that what he said? I didn't know that. Wow. So like if I punch someone in the face 40 times, am I used to doing that afterwards? And I'm just like, I don't even feel bad anymore. <laughs> don't punch people in the face. That's not what I'm saying. Especially you, fatal hat. I see it. I see it in your eyes. 40 is a very specific a biblical number. In the Bible, the numbers mean some things. Like 12 means the whole entire people of Israel. Uh, 10 might mean a handful or fullness. 7 is a holy number. 6 is kind of incomplete and evil. And 40 sometimes represents you know, the wandering years of the people in the desert. They wandered for 40 years and died off. And then Jesus himself was in the desert for 40 years hanging out with God and stuff like that. Yes. Why is it like a holy number? Well, if you go all the way back to Genesis, God created in the world, they say, in seven days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And so that was just kind of a holy number. It's one of the first ones given in the Bible, if not the first, that, that God said, hey, this number, I'm going to rest. And so seven days, that's when all creation was created. So that's, how, that's why it's holy. And three, is, three is, means the Trinity as well. All right, so this is going to be an interesting series because <clears throat> we're going to answer some questions that you might have of the Bible, and we're going to do that starting today. But today is going to be kind of an intro, and we're going to go through this series over the next six weeks. And you'll get something different on a Sunday than you will on a Tuesday. So like today, I'm going to preach a little bit about it. And on Tuesday, we're going to go into small groups, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more because you guys will probably have some questions after today. So please come on Tuesday nights as well as Sundays, because on Sunday and Tuesday you get something different. You'll get a message on Sunday morning about what we're talking about, and then on Tuesdays where you get to ask your questions. And we want you to ask the tough questions, like, you know, why does God do this in the Bible? Why, God, why, God, why doesn't God do this? Or why does God allow this to happen? Or why is this scripture in there? Because there's some weird scriptures in there. Have you guys ever ran, ran across a really weird scripture? Is anybody? There's like weird ones. They're like... All of a sudden, you're like going along in the Bible, and then it's like, oh yeah, and this dude got hit by a tree, and then they just go on, and you're like, what? He's got hit by a tree? What does that even mean? Or there are like giants in there. There's something called Leviathan. There are times when they talk about angels and giants. It's like weird, and then they'll just go on, and then they don't really explain it. And so it's like a big beast. You can ask it in small groups this Tuesday. So, <clears throat> before then, we're going to talk about the Bible specifically today, not necessarily just as content but kind of how it came to be and kind of what happened to it. So before that, I'm going to ask you, what are some of your favorite books? Favorite books, what do you think? What is it? I'm number four? Okay, I haven't heard of that one. What is that one? What do you think? Lord of the Rings. Very good. Good try. What do you, what do you think? The what? Man, i got to get some of the books, you guys. I haven't heard of some of these. What do you think? 
TV is not a book by definition. <laughs> you need to read more. Yes. Did, did one of you guys have your hand up? Okay. But what do you think? Series. Oh yeah, I, I've seen they made a movie about that. What do you think? Harry Potter. That's a good one. What is it? Okay, that's a good one. What is it? Pokemon Power. You know what? Totally side note. I've beaten almost every Pokemon game, and I feel like a dork for saying so, okay? How many people actually play Pokemon? Yeah, not as many as I thought. I am a total loser. Jeez. <laughs> Have you, any of you guys read the Hugger Games books? So good, right? Okay, Hunger Games. How many do you think are sold of the Hunger Games? How many, how many books? Wow, that's very specific. How many do you think have sold? Just raise your hand real quick. Number, what do you think? Two million? Okay, what do you think? Nine, just nine? <laughs> wow, that'd be awesome. Almost a billion? Oh, that's pretty close. But no, three million copies of the Hunger Games have been sold. You were pretty close. You were pretty close. What about, he said, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Good, good books. Little twisted for kids, but what, what do you think? What do you think? Four million? One. <laughs> we would not be talking about it if it was one. What do you think? Four thousand? Okay. Oh, gosh. Somebody already said nine. What do you think? 400,000? 400, Let me give you a hint. It's more popular than the Hunger Games. Okay. What? 10 million? 12? 26 million. Okay, that's the highest number so far. 450 million of Harry Potter have been sold. And that's just, I mean, this, this statistic came out a little while ago. So they've sold more Harry Potter books between now and when I've given this to you, okay? Now let's take the Bible. <clears throat> How many Bibles do you think have been printed and sold? How many do you think? Um, I'd say maybe 50,000. 50,000? So it's less popular than both of those other books, okay? What do you think? I think less than Harry Potter, but more than Hunger Games. So throw out a number. What do you think? A billion? Okay. What do you think? I'm pointing. I'm looking right at you. Bam. Striped shirt. Do you want to throw out a number? Okay, fine. What do you think? 500 million. Okay. Both of those books combined. So that'd be 453 million. What do you think? I just did the simple math in my head. Three plus 450. What did you say? 12 trillion and 7. Okay, it's definitely not 12 trillion. 6 billion Bibles. 6 billion. If you don't know how much it is between a million and a billion, it takes a thousand millions to equal a billion. Okay? So the Bible has sold more than 12 times as many as Harry Potter, more than 12. It's the best-selling book of all time. It's the most bought book every year of all time. And I think there's only a couple times when the Bible got outsold by something, but that was just a really weird year. It is continually, the, it is translated into more languages than any other book ever. It is read by more people than ever. 
And as Ron Armstrong said, the average American household has five of them in their house. Five. We have six. Five of them. I'm not going to lie. I don't think I have five Bibles. Okay. <clears throat> so hold on. Shh. No more questions right now. Um, let, me, let me continue to go through. So the Bible, a book. Where did the Bible come from and can it be trusted? So we got a little bit of scripture to read for you. It says, therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. And so Paul is writing to the Thessalonians. He's talking about Scripture because Scripture is different from just written things, is that God has a part in this. In fact, the biggest part in writing the Bible is that the Bible is not a man-written book. It is not like a bunch of dudes decided, hey, let's write a book real quick and let's make it really thick so we can make tons of money. It's not like that. The Bible is very, very different from every other book that has ever been written because it has been inspired by God. And we're going to talk about that. So the Bible has been written over a period of 1,500 years. If you got one of those papers and you need a pen, you feel free to write this stuff in. Okay? The Bible has been written over 1,500 years, and God inspired it through about 40 authors to write it down and record what he wanted them to. Okay? God inspired them. You can go get some pens in the back. If you need to get up, I'm not offended. Totally get up and go get a pen if you want to. I'm totally fine with that. Okay? So over 1,500 years, God inspired about 40 authors, about 40 of them. Okay? Most books have how many authors? One, usually. One and an editor and stuff like that. Okay? Inspired means God breathed. There's a fancy word in theology called spiration, and it means just to breathe out, okay? So when it's inspired, it basically means God breathed through the Holy Spirit into human beings and talked to them and told them what to write. In other words, God gave direction, guidance, and protection to the words the authors wrote. So there were people in time that God said, I want you to help write down the story of my people, and I want you to write down the things that I say. And so he guided them. And so maybe they're going along and they want to write something. And he says, actually, I want you to write it this way. Okay? And he also protected them. He protected them from outside influence. He protected his scripture. Protected his scripture. And he protected the authors as well. He protected them so they could get across what God wanted them to get across. So can the Bible be trusted? Okay, I'm going to show you a short video real quick that explains a little bit better, probably than what I can, in a shorter amount of time. If we have lights in here, can we dim them? If it's possible. Who wrote the Bible? God or humans? And if you want to turn it up, you can. So, the Bible. The Holy Bible. Yes, the Holy Bible. The Word of God. You've seen it. Your pastor talks about it. You may have even read some of it. But where did it come from? Did God just decide one day to self-publish an autobiography? Conjured the whole thing out of thin air and sent it to Earth to bless all humanity. Heads up! Ouch. <laughs> Ooh, leatherette. Or was the Bible written by humans who tried their best to guess at what God would want to say? Two chickens does not equal that of a hamster. Thus saith the Lord. No, 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 no. God wouldn't say that. What about a marmot? Christians believe that the Bible is inspired by God. 
But what does that mean? If you look at the meaning of the word inspired, first you have in, which means in. Really? And spire, which means to breathe. So, inspired by God essentially means to be breathed into by God. That's weird. So, basically, what happened is, a long time ago, a bunch of people were chosen by God to be breathed into, or inspired, with God's message. In the Old Testament, these people were called prophets. The people who shared the good news of Jesus were called apostles. And these people went all over exclaiming God's message. And the things they were saying was some really amazing stuff. At some point it crossed someone's mind that all of the stuff these inspired people were talking about should be written down. So they did. They started carefully writing all of this stuff down and refining and editing and transcribing all of it over several hundred years until they had a massive pile of this really amazing stuff. Oh. Now here's where it gets a little tricky. You see, there wasn't just one person writing this stuff down. And while most of it was truly inspired, some of it was, well, not so inspired. And the cantaloupe shall be cast aside lest you be consumed by your own armpits. This left the young church with a big problem. How would they sort out all of the inspired stuff from the not so inspired stuff? This is how the process of biblical canonization came into existence. What is canonization, you may ask? Canon a what? Well, that's where they took a wall. Okay. And a lot of glue, and they put the glue on the wall, then they took all the writings and stuffed them into a cannon and shot the cannon at the wall. And everything that stuck to the wall went into the Bible. Really? No. Canonization was a process guided by God in which church councils were formed to decide what writings were truly inspired by God. These councils prayerfully researched and analyzed and sifted through the early Christian writings using specific tests and definitions to establish their credibility. So they would ask important questions like, is this writing actually being used by the Christian community? Another key question they'd ask is, was this written by an apostle? Or a close associate of an apostle? Or Aunt Gertrude's son-in-law's stepsister's cousin? <laughs> These kinds of tests and definitions helped to establish what books were a true witness to an active, moving God and the life of Jesus Christ and should be included in what we now know as the Bible. The Holy Bible. Written by humans, inspired by God. Sweet. <laughs> All right. So that gives you a couple of information. I mean, there's, this happened over a long, long period of time. So it's not like it just came about really quickly, but that gives you an idea of what happened, is that there was a lot of, you can put your questions, save your questions for small group time on Tuesday. So this gives you a general idea. God trusted a lot of different writers with his scripture, and he mentored them and helped them along. And then someday they had to compile it, and they had to weed out some stuff that wasn't inspired by God, the stuff, you know, and the stuff that was good. And that's kind of how you get your Bible today. And it was over a period of 1,500 years through 40 authors. So can the Bible be trusted? Yep, totally can. There is lots of stuff that points to the trustworthiness of the Bible. <clears throat> One thing is the unity of the Bible. We're going to do something really quickly real here. I'm, I need, let's say, 10 people. Okay, I'm going to pick you. Go ahead. One, go ahead. Two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, just come up here real quick. I'm going to show you a picture. One at a time. Just one at a time. You tell me what you see. 
Okay? okay? Don't tell me right now. Just look at it for a second and think of what you see. Okay? Okay? Got it? Okay? Got it? Okay. Okay. Did you see it? Did you see it? Yes. What'd you see? I really don't know. <laughs> What'd you see? I saw two people on the ear and one on the chin. Two people on the ear and one on the chin. Okay. What did you see? A lady in an alleyway. A lady in an alleyway. Okay. A person. I saw a couple people. A couple people. A painting of an old guy. Painting of an old guy. Okay. Uh, I saw a painting of an old guy. Okay. Picture of a man on a wall. People. People. A big floating head. A big floating head. Okay, you guys all sit down. Go ahead, go but sit back down. I showed them all the same picture. Did you hear some of the stuff we got? We got painting of a dude, guy on a wall, people, I don't know, a lady. How can you get all these different pictures from the same thing? Okay? The unity of the Bible is God doing the same message through lots of different people, and it's very hard to do. As that simple illustration kind of shows you, I showed them all the same thing. They all came up with different things, or some, some of them were a little bit similar. But if they were to write down what they saw, do you think seeing a painting of a man and seeing two people, is that the same? It's not the same most of the time. So let me show you just the picture that I showed them. What do you see? I see a big Do you see the two people? Yeah. Okay, let me show it to you when it's blurry. Do you see the dude? Yeah. Oh, all right. You see, now I'll go back. Do you see the two people? Yeah. And there's a dog kind of laying on the road. You go back, and it looks like a dude's hand, kind of like this, right? Okay. It looks like a, the part of his shoulders on the side, you can see his hair in the back, and you can see kind of like his hand, almost like he's holding it like this. Same picture I showed to everybody, but they all got different things, <clears throat> okay? With the Bible, God used lots of people. I only used 10 of you, and you came up with different things. God used over 40 authors and numerous more characters in the Bible, but the unity of it is that they all came up with the same message, of what God wanted to have them write down. And these people, most of them, you guys knew each other. I mean, you guys hang out here in, in the church and stuff like that. Most of the authors either never met each other, were lived in different continents, different time periods, and were part of different races. And so the Bible is very unified because even though all those people were a part of it, is that God used them all and through all that stuff, through all the time, and through all the different cultures, and through all the different places they lived at in the world, the Bible is unified in the message that it get, portrays, okay? It's constantly talking about God's people and Him trying to get back to them, okay? So the unity of the Bible is very, very trustworthy, okay? The next one is, oh, what did it say up there? The history of the Bible, Okay? If you didn't know this, some archaeologists today use the Bible to actually find out historical facts, okay? Because it's one of the oldest records. I mean, there are, there are older records in the Bible because people started writing stuff down earlier than that. But the Bible is actually used in large parts of the world today to prove archaeological facts, okay? Like sometimes if they want to know where a certain general had like his house or if they wanted to know if a battle really occurred... The Bible is one of the most reliable pieces of historical information ever written, 
ever. <clears throat> and people have been writing for thousands and thousands of years. And some of them they have found just by looking at where the Bible said it was. So they'll open up Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, and they'll look about some of the surroundings because the Bible sometimes is very specific about names and dates and places and different armies and different people. And it doesn't just talk about God's people. It talks about invading armies and all this stuff. So God's Bible historically is very accurate. And even people who don't believe in Jesus Christ use the Bible to prove some historical stuff. So the Bible is not only reliable because of the unity, because it's the same message from a bunch of different authors who are in different places in different time periods, but it's also unified through the history of it. People, whether you're a Christian or not, use the Bible for historical purposes. Okay? The next one is the prophecy of the Bible. Okay? This is a very another simple illustration. Okay? <clears throat> what do you think are the chances of you, if you had, say, say your mom is pregnant, and she's going to give you a little, let's say a brother, okay? What do you think the odds of you are predicting eight things about that child, and they all come true? What are the, what are the odds, you think? What do you think? One in a billion? One in 100? One in 100? 50-50. What do you think? 50-50. So you think you have a 50% chance of saying eight things that might be true. Are you sure? I'm going to tell you what it is. Nope. It's not negative 1,000. It's about a one in a trillion chance. 1,000 billion of you predicting eight things about an unborn person. Do you know how many there were predicted of Jesus that came through? 300. You can do some simple math in that. That's complicated math. Okay? If you can't understand the number, here is a simple illustration. Okay. Take the state of Texas. You're, you, you know how big the state of Texas is, right? The biggest one we got in the United States. Okay. The contiguous United States. The biggest one that's landlocked. Happy? Good call. Good call, though. I like you. Keep me honest. I like that. Texas is the biggest landlocked state we have in the contiguous United States. Okay. Imagine filling Texas two feet deep in quarters. Two feet deep. Okay, it's about it's about this high. Okay, billions and billions of dollars. Two feet deep. And then imagine taking one quarter and putting a red X on it, flying over in a helicopter, dropping it somewhere in Texas, and then taking a giant spoon and stirring it all up. Okay, moving it around for a couple days. And then you helicopter lift one person, drop them in there, and give them five minutes to find it. They are not going to find it. Do you think they're going to do that? Yes. There's no way. Yes, there is a way. There's not a way. Yes, there is. Shh. There's not a way. Yes, there is. Okay, thank you. But really, there's not. If you had a billion years, you probably would not find that quarter. The odds are really, really bad. If one in one trillion to just guess eight things about a person before they were born, and Jesus, there was 300 prophecies of him before he was born, and all of them were fulfilled, that says something. That says something about the Bible and about how true it is, about how trustworthy it is. 
Because if the odds are that bad, that stuff that, that could happen, and God made all of them come true, you can trust the Bible as what it says because it's, it's inspired by God. And the last one is the legacy of the Bible. Okay? Legacy just means aspect over time, or impact over time, excuse me. Okay? You leave a legacy. People always talk about leaving a legacy. When you die, what are people going to think about you? Are they going to say you were a nice person, that you were giving, that you did all you could? People want to, when they get to their old age, they want to leave a legacy. They want something to remember or people to remember them by. For some people, when they're athletes, they want to leave a legacy of being a great player. You know, for some people who are really rich, they want to leave a legacy of the richest person ever or the person who's given the most. They want something to last, and the Bible lasts. Okay, it has been the go-to book for many, many different cultures and religions that aren't even Christian, and it's been the best-selling book of all time for a reason, because it constantly impacts people. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what language you speak. When people hear God's word, it makes an impact on their life like no other book ever will. Okay? So the thing I want you to get is that the Bible isn't just a book, it's the book. In fact, the Bible actually means book, it means scripture. That's all it means. It's the greatest book of all time. It is God's greatest treasure that he can give us. If you were stuck on an island and you had one book, hopefully you would choose the Bible because it would constantly give you new things because God's Holy Spirit works through Scripture. Any other book that's been written, you can read it and get bored of it. The Bible is not like that, and it's not just because it's long. I know people who have read the Bible every word hundreds of times over, and they get something new out of it all the time because of the way the Bible is inspired by God. So what does this mean? So over the next six weeks, we're going to tackle some tough questions about the Bible. We're going to talk about some things you guys probably have questions on. And I want you to come on Tuesday nights if you can, because we want to answer those questions. I'll only answer a few on Sunday mornings, because we don't have enough time to do it. So on Tuesday nights, if you have questions, and it's okay to bring hard questions. It's okay to say things like, I don't trust the Bible. Or it's okay to say things like, why should I even read it? It's boring. Or, why do all these people get killed in the Old Testament? It's okay to bring those questions. In fact, I want you to. I did that for most of my life where I totally tried to make people not believe in the Bible because I was a jerk. I'm still a jerk, but you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Now that I know Jesus, I want to tell people how true the Bible is. And so if you have a Bible, please bring it over the next five or six weeks. And if you're not busy on Tuesday night, please come on Tuesday nights because we're going to be talking in our small groups about the impact of the Bible, and we're going to address some of your tough questions, okay? So again, after all that, <clears throat> remember, dodgeball, if you want to sign up, you can sign up on the thing out there. I'm going to pray, so don't leave yet. Um, but you can sign up out there. We only have six teams, sorry, eight teams. So if you want to sign up, you can do that. I actually signed up for one, I think, and I think some of the coaches did as well. So um, you can have guys, girls, teams. You can intermix them if you'd like to, but it'd be cool to see the guys against the girls. And then also remember to get one of those cards for uh, retreat. If you, even if you already took one home, because remember we changed the dates. So please, I would like to see all of you when you go out there, get one of these cards. Okay, yes. What if you signed up and without knowing? I don't know if I want to do this, so I'm going to put my name down. <laughs> then good job.
I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. You can crash your name out if you want, but we'll probably hunt you down and hurt you. No, we won't do that. I'm just kidding. So let me pray for us. Please take off your hats if you got them, and let's honor God with our time. You're welcome to hang out. Big Church is going to be out here soon. Can someone check for me and see if Big Church is out yet? Um, let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for your scripture. Thank you for the funny video today. And Lord, just thank you for all the stuff we got to learn today about your word. Is that sometimes we're always just told that to read it, and no one tells us why. People tell us to read the Bible in church just because everyone else does. And Lord, there's more to it than that. You know, these students need to know that you inspired the Bible. They, they probably want to know where it came from. They want to know why they should read it. And Lord, they want to know, you know, how it's going to impact their life. Lord, I pray that you show that to us over the next six weeks. I pray that your Holy Spirit is upon these students and the leaders as we teach and learn about it. And Lord, I pray that these students bring their Bibles and their, and their pens and are ready to, to write down some notes and learn some things. In Jesus' name, amen.